welcome to Homegrown with Karen Bernardi, the podcast for Boulder, Colorado small businesses. Karen Bernardi is a Boulder area realtor with Coldwell Banker, Colorado. She has over 35 years of experience helping people sell and buy homes in the Boulder County region. In episode four, Karen interviews Jennifer Trask, a local Colorado firefighter. Throughout the interview, Karen expresses appreciation to our first responders. The two discuss what Jennifer has seen during rescues as a result of COVID-19. Hello, everyone, and welcome. And today we have a great uh, conversation we're going to have with one of our frontline people in our fight against the COVID virus and keeping us all safe. And I consider these very brave individuals. I am Karen Bernardi with the Bernardi Group at Caldwell Banker here in beautiful uh, Boulder, Colorado. And we work the surrounding areas, of course, um, selling homes. And normally I do these interviews for people that are uh, do homegrown businesses. But at this time, I just really felt like it was so important to have someone that is um, really deeply involved with what we have going on in our state right now and across the country and throughout the world. So today we have a firefighter with us today. And um, I know her on a personal level and have always admired her and thought how fascinating that this lovely lady and woman is a uh, firefighter and uh, Jen Tresk, Trask? Yeah. Trask is a firefighter here in Colorado. And so, Jen, tell us a little bit about you and how old you are and your family, if you will, just a little bit. And, you know, how did you become a firefighter? And wow. Yeah, my face. Um, just real quick, I was born and raised in Golden. Uh, so I'm, I've been in Colorado since I was about six. So I know the state very well. Um, and then I went to college, got my bachelor's degree, thought I was going to go the med school route. And I traveled a little bit and kind of found, I guess, myself as cheesy as that sounds, but I kind of found myself a little more and decided to um, take a different route. So I got my EMT first and then did volunteer firefighting for a little while, which then landed me a career job. So I've worked at my as my career for three years as a paid firefighter, um, I work in the North area. So I'm, you know, I know the area very well. I also live in North Glen. So um, yeah, that's kind of, my parents are still living in Golden. Both my sisters just moved to Bend, Oregon. So they're no longer close to me, which is a bummer, but um, yeah, that's kind of just a quick little bio on me. Oh, good for you. Now, how did you, so you kind of fell into the fire department thinking, I mean, it was an EMT and may as well go to this, like run into burning buildings as other people are running out. Is that? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of, there is a misconception that um, there's, you know, firefighters and they do firefighting and then EMT and paramedics do the medicine, but at almost every department in the United States, really. I mean, there's still some that are separate, but especially in Colorado, your firefighters that you see out and about are also going to be medical personnel. So um, just for those of you who don't know, uh, a firefighter is at least an EMT is the requirement. And then, the, you know, if someone chooses, they can go to paramedic school and be a paramedic. So every firefighter you see, um, especially in the Denver metro area, is a firefighter as well as medical personnel. 
That is amazing. Yeah. So when I got my EMT, I was interested in the medicine side and then kind of fell into the fire side. And I just love both. So it's the best of both worlds for me, really. Well, that is quite a statement there. (laughs) I hadn't thought of firefighting as the best of both worlds, but oh, bless you, girl, for doing it. Bless you for doing it. I just think it's amazing. So I know that one of the things during the COVID virus is that when someone is having trouble breathing, when they're having a problem, the first thing they do might call be call 911 and you come. The fire department comes. Yes, that's great. And tell us what that's like for you now. Well, so um, when this whole thing started uh, and we didn't really quite know much about it, we were having, so I specifically went on a call where the person may have had it, but at the time it was such a new thing that there were no protocols in, in place as far as special PPE um, and, and just how we were running these calls, like we didn't know. And we didn't know that this was a suspected case when we got there. Um, And it was a very serious call. So there wasn't really any time to even think about it, to be honest, which is how we would normally operate. Like someone's very sick. We're going to do what we can and not. um, I mean, this whole COVID thing has given us a extra thing to think about, which is pretty stressful. But back to that call, um, at the end of the day, we heard that it was someone who was a suspected COVID. And we were told, you know, that as a crew, we would maybe have to quarantine. Like we didn't know, like, would we get tested? And I mean, this was the very beginning of all of this stuff, uh, especially in the Denver area. So we had, I mean, my department had so this no was idea. like January or something. I think like maybe early February, but yeah, Mm -hmm. very early stages. And we, and actually there had been no cases in the, in Denver yet. Like so this was really fresh for us. And um, it turned out the person didn't have it, which was great. But like at that moment, you know, I think our department, my department and then other fire departments in the state and in this area were like, okay, we need to put, special protocols in in place and do things that we've never even thought about doing. So now, you know, every call and our dispatch tries really hard to get an idea of, is this person, you know, showing the symptoms or not? And it's so hard to get that stuff over the phone. I mean, our dispatchers Mm -hmm. work so hard to do it, but. Especially when you can't breathe, when you feel like you can't breathe and someone's trying to ask you a question. Yeah. And so if it's a severe case and it is like we're going to someone who is having difficulty breathing, uh, that will come across on our like that will show on our computer on the way to the call. And we're going to treat these people the same more or less than we would without this virus going on. I mean, we're going to help them breathe basically is what it comes down to. The only difference now is that we are going in there with masks and you know eye protection and gloves which we always wear but masks and eye protection are are kind of a new thing like we usually don't go into people's homes with masks i mean there's really no need to but now with just this virus going on we are now wearing masks on every single call um interacting with people we're wearing a mask whether or not they're showing symptoms because now we've learned that they may not be. So if we go on a call and someone broke their leg, we're still going in there with 
a mask and everything because they could, you know, end up having it or not. And so now we're just under the assumption that everyone has it and we're just wearing the full protective equipment that we have been. Well, yes. And you want to, of course, protect them from you Mm -hmm. in case by any chance you might have it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, so that's so, kind of just how we're approaching these calls. Does it feel like a scarier time for you right now? Or is firefighting kind of always nerve-wracking? It would be for me. Um, I would say, honestly, for the first couple weeks when it was all new and we didn't know a lot about it, it was a little stressful to go to work and, you know, to have to worry about remembering a mask and because like I said that's not normal operations for us to wear a mask around everyone so um you know having to carry the extra equipment and just kind of worry about okay how can this really spread now that we have seen a lot of cases well some cases and have a better understanding uh so we think of how it spreads it's not become a little more relaxing that's not the right word but I'm definitely not as stressed out about it because um, we've taken the right steps, I think, into just trying to protect our people and then the patients themselves. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So what is your um, assessment? I mean, do you have any of cases kind of gone down? I mean, just in your, you know, the calls happening, yeah. have they been a little bit less recently? Yes. So um, again, the first maybe three weeks, I would say I noticed the hospitals being much busier um, with people who were sick. Unfortunately, I mean, there's, they're not testing everyone. So at this point, it's if they have flu-like symptoms or difficulty breathing or any like GI issues, they're getting, so we take them to the emergency room. And a lot of the hospitals that I transport to, so in the North area, they won't, they're not testing people unless these people get admitted into an ICU, which basically means like they are really struggling to breathe or, you know, they're really sick and it's not just a quick, you know, emergency room visit for three, four five hours. Um, so a lot of people are coming in and out of the hospitals with a cold or flu-like symptoms or GI issues and they're being sent home because they don't need any more medical intervention and they may have it, they may not, but they're not getting tested. So I think at first we were busier, the hospitals were busy, but it has really slowed down. And the hospitals that I am transporting to have actually seen a big decrease in patients, Mm -hmm. um, which is good, right? It is good. Um, The problem is it's almost slowed down to the point that they're starting to lay off these frontline workers, the nurses and doctors, because now the hospital's struggling to keep up now that the economy has taken such a crash. So well, yeah, if you burn kind of yourself on the yeah, if you have a little injury now that you might have gone to the emergency room for, you might not go now. Yeah. Because you're yeah, afraid of getting something. Yeah. And that's another thing I think people are are scared to go, which um, makes sense. And then there's other people who are scared to go, but actually do need to go. And I mean, they aren't struggling with a COVID problem. They're struggling with these other health problems or like a serious injury, Um, but you can tell they're hesitant about going. And it's like, well, 
sometimes you just have to go to the emergency room and that's just the way it is. We've tried to talk a lot of people, not talk them out of going. That's not the right uh, way to say it. But if someone calls us because they're sick and they're concerned they have it, I mean, we can't test them at their house. So we advise that if they are not having difficulty breathing and they feel like they can stay home, then they should stay home because they don't want to be bringing that stuff. I mean, even more of it to the hospital, or if they do just have a cold, they don't want to go to the emergency room and then get it. So it's, it's kind of been, um, interesting to, I mean, we do leave a lot of people home who we think it's appropriate to stay home, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, I've known of a few people that have had it, Mm -hmm. you know, I certainly wasn't exposed to them, but they've had it. I've talked to them on the phone, that kind of thing. And they, you know, they've just stayed home. Yeah, you know, they called the bad. doctor. The doctor said, just stay home, you know, until you can't breathe and then call us. <laughs> and that's the best thing to do. I mean, the to be honest, the, I mean, according to the news and also what I've seen, the number of severe cases are really not that high. Um, for people who have like asthma and um heart issues and previous medical history, and then they get this, they might be pretty sick. But the people that I have gone to, most of them are minor cases, to be honest, like, Mm -hmm. they feel like crap, you know, they've got a fever, they, you know, they don't feel well, but they're not having difficulty breathing. Um, I think I've, I mean, it's hard to remember, but I think I've really only had two or three of my patients who have been like, more on the severe side, but not like to the point where, um, you know, as far as I could tell, they were going to like die from it, but they did have a very high fever that needed medical intervention, or they did have some difficulty breathing. Um, Mm -hmm. but at least in, in, you know, the area that I work in it, it definitely, I have not seen that many severe cases, which is good. I mean, Oh, it's really good. And we just thank you so much. You know, at the Bernardi group, we've been sending, um, you know, like pizzas and, you know, desserts or whatever to the f- different firehouses. Oh, that's awesome. did you get one yet at your firehouse? We've gotten tons of treats. Okay. Of is it too much or is it helpful? No, it is helpful. Um, I know the other stations around me have gotten like one of our stations got like Olive Garden one day, and then they got pizza another day. We've gotten pizza before, and it is totally helpful. I mean, we'll, you know, we're able to have time to feed ourselves anyway, but it is so nice when, you know, the citizens come out and support us, whether it's a pizza or, you know, donuts or like a letter, you know, we don't care, but it is nice to be appreciated. You know, I hope... Yeah, I hope from all of this, you know, we there are so many silver linings in what has happened here, mm-hmm. you know, and one is an appreciation maybe for each other and our, you know, firefighters, our police officers, you know, the doctors and nurses, you know, and if we can keep that appreciation. So what I, you know, want to commit to is once this is over, you know, like trying to remember in July that you guys are going to be busy with firecracker injuries and I should still send pizza then. <laughs> it's always appreciated, but also right. not needed. I mean, it's so nice to, 
get free food. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I get very excited when there's free donuts on the counter. Don't, you know? don't lie. It's all good. Well, yeah. what it is is that you're out there risking your lives, really. Yeah, For some us. days, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, some I days don't ever risk my life and my job. Yeah. I don't ever risk my life. I don't. And I'm paid quite handsomely for it. I handle really expensive investments for people. It's their largest investment. It's their most important investment, you know, their home. But I don't yeah. risk my life. So I got to thank you and say blessings because it's not something I'm constitutionally cut out to do. And when I met you, I was like, oh, my gosh, you're a firefighter. This is so super cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the support. You know, it's nice. So well, we appreciate you. So if there's anything that you need from us at the Bernardi group, if you want pizza, you want ice cream, you want Olive Garden, let us know because oh. that way we support local restaurants and we support you. Oh, good. Yeah. I got to support those local restaurants. That's especially right. That's like, right. We want them to stay in business when this is all over. So oh, yeah. it's so true. It's so true. We got to really help each other here. So, hey, blessings to you and uh, take care of yourself. I'll keep you in our prayers and our good thoughts and you take care and thank you for your time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for all having right. me. No worries. You'd be brave out there because you always are. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank be you safe. Guys. Be safe. Oh. Thanks. I'll try. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good one.